From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth, fresh off of vacation, glad to be back on this Sunday morning. And I'm also glad to have one of one of the pillars in the Houston community. He is the founder and the director of the Baller Academy. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Reginald Hardy Sr. to the Public Affairs Podcast. How you been doing, G? Brother, I've been doing great, man, considering all the things going on in the world. Right. Get up and it's a blessing. It's just a blessing. Yes, indeed. And, and, and speaking of all of the things that have been going on in the world for the last um, two years uh, with the scandemic, the plandemic uh, that had right. happened, uh, shut everybody down. Um, right. How did y'all handle over at the Baller Academy with uh, with the students there? Okay, well, when the pandemic shut everything down, nobody could play. No colleges, no high schools, nobody. And it put a tremendous effect on our kids. I, I've got a daughter, man, that's an AB student. And at the end of the pandemic, she was literally bouncing off the walls, man, because one thing you can't replace is that social uh, thing that these kids need. We all need social or social time. Mm-hmm. That's social so interaction. When they when they gave us the go that we could, you know, get back into the gym on a limited basis, I uh, put a proposal together and I submitted it to Ford Bend Commissioner's Court because I didn't want to just go into the gym and talk to the director and say, "Hey, guy, I'm trying to do this and I need a night here and a night there." I wanted to actually have an official contract. Different from when you're talking to the director and he's giving you a night. And when you go in front of those five commissioners and the judge and you ask for a facility. So we were blessed, man, because at the time they opened up, you may remember this place, Old Missouri City Middle School. They were about to tear the gym down, man, because it was dilapidated, it was falling together, and Fort Bend kicked in $4.6 million and renovated that facility. I had the blessing when I was going to the grand opening to bump into what now is I found out was our county judge, K.P. George. Mm-hmm. I didn't know him at the time. When I was walking down the street to the gathering, a gentleman got out of a black SUV and he bumped me. Well, you know, I'm from Third Ward. If you bump me and you don't recognize, I might say something to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> but he was a real nice guy. He said, oh, I apologize. I'm running late for this uh, the, the gathering here. And I said, oh, me too. So we walked together. But I knew he was somebody important because when we walked up to the crowd, it opened up like a Red Sea, man. But I wasn't allowed to follow him. In other words, the police met him, escorted him up to the microphone. And at that point, I knew, man, I don't know who this guy is, but he's somebody important. I later found out that he was always county judge. Two days after that, man, it hit me. Go back, put a proposal together. Just tell him what you're trying to do. I'm trying to get into the gym, trying to get these kids back socialized, yada, yada, yada. And so I was blessed, man. You have to have three of the five commissioners to vote your contract into ratification, okay? Uh, two of them I knew. I had just met him, and I had the fortune of knowing the commissioner that's in the most city area where the gym was. That's two of the five. And I barely just knew him on a bump. Uh, smooth, I tell you, it's a God out there, it's a God out there, man. We were unanimous. When they read my proposal, we, we were unanimously approved for one year with mm-hmm. a stipulation that if it goes well, that we could, you know, get additional years. We just completed, we'll, we'll, we'll just complete our first year 
at the end of September, and we've already been assured that the program is doing well. So now we're going for two-year contract. You feel what I'm saying? Hey, <laughs> why not? Well, so we're, going, we're going for two. And so I'll touch on the program. Enough of that, that, that free stuff. We're in the program now. In October, they let us come into the gym. Beautiful gym. Free. Everybody. You, I, anybody can come. Get your free membership. They've got them. They, they don't have heavy work. The heavy iron. The guy said he didn't want muscle heads coming out and making it a muscle head gym. He's got the nice cardio stuff. The stuff that you see in Lifetime Fitness and all that, those you know, five, $6,000 pieces, mm-hmm. he's got about 20 of them in a dedicated area. They renovated the court, man. They've got an NBA court in there. They've got a meeting room. They've got, uh, how can I say, a game room with big screen TVs and pool tables. I mean, they, they, they went all out on this. So, so we were blessed to get a Monday night, every Monday night from 6 to 8. That has now been expanded to Monday and Friday night. <laughs> and so I chuckled because people said I couldn't do it, man. You're not going to get it, man. It's, it's other organizations out here have been doing this longer than you. And I, okay, all right. I'm going to rely on the same things I've been relying on for 65 years, my faith in God. Come on. You know, and what's between what he gave me between my left and right ear. Come on, man. Don't you, don't you. Bro, 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 I'm sorry. No, I, I was just going to say, like, don't you hate it when people want to project their negative energy, negative thoughts, their own shortcomings onto yourself? Like hearing you say that, that, you know, some of your partners yeah. are like, oh, you ain't going to get it. And oh, you ain't right. going to do this. And oh, you ain't going to do that. What, what, but why are you sending that my way? First of right. all. I'm not hearing you. Secondly, yeah. stop projecting your right. stuff onto me because you tried some right. things and it didn't work out for you. What may, well, you know, may work for you don't work for the next person. So people kill me with that, like, oh, you won't be able to do that. Oh, you won't. Right. How about, oh, you sit yourself down somewhere and let me handle this? <laughs> well, you know, what they don't know about the old cockroach from Jack the 75, what they don't know about the old cockroach is that that gives me energy. Mm. I've got everything in my life because somebody said I couldn't have it. I, I couldn't achieve right. it. And so my stubbornness, that Leo in me, boy, you say I can't, oh, I'm going to show you. Now, you know, I've used that energy to get me where I am, and I teach my kids. When you get in a position, people are going to come at you. Whether it's a president, if you're a business owner, if you're a local politician, if you get in a position, the only way you're going to not get come at is you're not going to be nothing in life. If you become anything in life, preacher, a, a storm, you're going to get came at. So you're going to have to learn how to get some tougher skin, get knowledgeable, because most times people are coming to you out of ignorance. And 90% of the time, once you straighten them out, you don't have to deal with at least that person anymore. Now, you may have to deal with a new person, but I'm going to give you an example. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. We put up 10 tournaments to do for this year, 10. We've done 21 so far. And we've got two more majors to do. We've got the local national that's going to be held here in Houston the third week of July. We're already in that one. We've got the Dallas national. That's a national nationals. We got sponsored into that one. Why? Because we had a 63 place team in October, and we brought them all the way to first place team in the Houston area. That's a lot of middle schools in the Houston area, bro. Yeah. You and I both know that, so. I took I, I took a bunch of bad news bears, man. You watched that story? Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. 
Get to the end of it, though. That's where we're at now. We're in first place getting sponsored in the primetime nationals. I've got a, a 15-passenger 2022 van already reserved. We've got five, not three, five Hilton hotel rooms reserved. These are four-star hotel rooms. Oh, did, I, did I tell you we were sponsored into that tournament? <laughs> oh, I just want to go back on that circle because do you know how hard that is to take a 63 to take them to first in anything, horse racing, yeah, basketball, or anything. Hockey, anything. So I commend the program for that. Now, here, here's who helped me with that because it ain't all about our team. It ain't no I. I've got a coach, and, and, and tears are coming to my eyes as I tell you this, Coach, but you got to listen to what I'm saying. I've got a coach that lost his wife last year. It gets deeper because mm. two of his sons play on this team. Mm. One's in the eighth grade and one's in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And he has two more little kids, a little daughter that I think she's in the fifth grade and a son that's in the third grade. So he's got four kids, lost his wife, two of my players lost their mother, and he never missed a practice. Wow. Never. He didn't have a car. I stay in Richmond. He stays in Cyprus. I would get in my car, go to Cyprus, pick him Yeesh. up, take him to Mo City. Sheesh. We have a practice and take him back to Cyprus. And then I come back home. This is one day. we got two, three days we do this. So, see, it's a lot of stuff that goes into our success that nobody ever knows about, man. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I went and bought a $3,000 uh, streaming video camera. Uh-huh. I got it pointed at me at the, as I be speaking. I'm videotaping stuff because it's a story here, Solo. And I even got a company to agree to do a documentary on the success of the Baller Academy. Man, listen here. You, you just took the thought right out of my head. I was just about to ask, like, since you doing are it, man. documenting you told these me, things, you told like, me. Are, are you filming a you documentary? Yes. Yeah, that, that'll yeah. be great. That that Oh, yeah. Hardy, I can't wait. Hey, you're listening to the Public Affairs Podcast. We're talking to the founder and the director of the Baller Academy, Reginald Hardy Sr., um, talking about the great things that the Baller Academy um, has done throughout the pandemic, how they are now a sponsored uh, team that is going to all of these tournaments. Let's just start back from the beginning, um, okay. Hardy. Uh, the Baller Academy... You service uh, kids grades seventh, seventh and eighth grade, right? Well, we have a seventh and eighth grade team. We service kids from the fifth to the twelfth grade. Okay, fifth. But when to I 12. walked into the gym, we had zero kids and hadn't seen a kid in two years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't go in with no pre, pre, you know, the pre, you know, pre thoughts or anything about what we we're going to do. All I do is we got the gym, we've got a contract for a year, we've got all this brand new shiny equipment. I've got great coaches. So we're going to see who comes into the gym. And, and within two months, I had a ninth grader here. I had a 10th grader there. I had a couple of fifth graders. So it was not enough to put a team together. Because keep in mind, we're trying to get a team. I need at least seven players to put a team together. Now, okay, we got seven players. What are the uniforms at? The tournament fees, Brother Smooth, are 200 to 50 to $500 every tournament. Is, it per, is, that, per, is that per student, per child? That's it's two hundred and fifty dollars per team to put oh, your per team. team. In. Okay. Okay. That's the low end. Mm-hmm. It, this tournament in Dallas is going to be five hundred and seventy-five dollars, brother. Mm. So it's you know AAU is not a it's 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 a money grab, but it, it's some good things to my AAU too. And I and I'll be I'll give you one. Two of my best players had mental issues. That's why I got back into this thing because 
We know people like Ben Simmons, great athlete. They're comparing him to Michael Jordan, but he's not played a basketball in two years because what's in going on in his head is not a, allowing his hands and his legs to work. And so until you get that straight, man, you, the legs ain't going to jump, fingers ain't going to finger roll, you ain't going to hit no free portals. And I watched the championship, his last game. I watched his last game. And I went back and watched it again because I heard Stephen A. talking and a lot of these people talking about it. Mm-hmm. And they were saying, you know, watch this guy. When he gets ready to come into the basket, he's going to pass the ball out. He can be right under the goal. He's not going to take the shot. And I went back and I watched it. I said, ooh-wee, man. Ooh-wee. That's all I could say was, you know, now if Stephen A., not a coach, and all these other people, not coaches, can see that, then the other team surely can see that. The other coach surely can see that. And so you're not a, 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 a benefit to our team. You, you remember this thing called Shaq, uh, Shaq Attack? Yeah. I remember Why Shaq did Attack. they invent that word? Because he could not hit a free throw. So teams would use that. Hey, man, go in there and foul Shaq. He's yeah. going to shoot the ball over the goal. <laughs> he goes, you know, so your mind dictates. I, I'm a firm believer that your mind is everything, man. Well, it is. Your, your, your it, thoughts it create is. your reality. I mean, like, I'm, yeah. I'm a living witness. Like, I just manifested yeah. a whole trip to New Orleans for my birthday for Essence Fest. When I tell you every, the way that I imagine this trip to be is exactly how it played I out. Come on now. <laughs> exactly. So your thoughts do create your reality. So people yes. that are listening, change your mindset and watch yes. things start to change in your life. Go ahead, yes. Hardy. Yeah. Well, you know, and here, 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 here's the two kids from my team. I'm not going to call their names for obvious reasons. This is a fact, though. I had a dad of my team call me. He said, man, you know, I kind of monitor these kids on Facebook. And I do, too. Twitter. We've got Instagram. If they got something. Man, I still got my MySpace account. I still got my uh, Black Planet account. Not Black Planet, though. Oh, on, my man. gosh. So my point to you, you throwing it all the way back, Hardy. Always. Uh, you got to understand, I'm 65. I got. I had the first iPhone. Looked like a big old banana with a rod sticking out the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I tell people, I've had the same number for 28. Y'all going on 30 years. So if you say you couldn't find me, you wasn't really trying, man. You wasn't really trying. No, they wasn't looking. <laughs> I ain't that guy that got 50 numbers. But anyway, back to the story. My dad called me, and it was in the middle of the night. That's why I was, I work nights. Don't call me today. I just got up, man. I'm a night person. He calls me at 11 o'clock, and I, I, I'm at my desk. I answer the phone. He said, I don't know if you want to say something about this, uh, Coach, but I just saw a disturbing uh, Instagram post from one of our best players. Won't call no name. He said, this is what the – and I'm going to read this verbatim to you because I went and read it. The meme says, well, this is his uh, uh, words out of the player's mouth. This is how I feel. But it was a meme that says, I'm sitting on the side of my bed with my hand, my head in my hand, ready to end it all. This is my player hitting 20 points a game, A-B student. And you look at him, you say, man, you're on your way. You're on your way. But this kid just posted he's about to blow his brains out. That's one story. Next week I go to practice. This parent is at my practice. His son is out there having a great practice. At the end of the practice, this, this player walks up to me and he stops me because we do. Let me rewind a little bit. On Thursday, we're at an outdoor park. All my parents are phenomenal. They bring barbecue pits. This every Thursday, not just barbecue pits, hot dogs, the hamburgers, the Gatorades. We, we do kumbaya. The parents are having a good time. It's just a picnic on Thursday. At the end of this, and I'm going to tell you how good this is. We're supposed to be through Brother Smooth 
at 7.30. It's 9 o'clock, and these kids still out there playing. They don't want to go home. You want to make practice fun. So I created these little ways to make practice fun. And so long story short, this kid approaches me after practice. Great practice, man. Great. This kid is in the seventh grade playing on the eighth grade AAU team. That should let you know about his skill sets. Mom and dad is hard workers, great parents. You would think perfect parents, perfect kid, good going. This kid walked up to me, Brother Smooth, put his hands in my chest as if to say, hold on, coach, I need to tell you something. Okay, I'm here. And when the first thought in my mind, why you didn't go tell your dad that? Because he's standing right behind me. But I didn't question that because I've been told just, I've been taught to listen to a kid. Shut that's up right. and just that's listen. All, that's all. That's all they need. You know what he told me? He bust out in tears and said, Coach, I just feel worthless, man. I feel like I can't do nothing right. Everything I do is wrong. And I stopped him. Mid-sermon, stopped him. I said, stop. Hold up, brother. You've got a mother. you got a dad three feet behind me. Love you to death. You got a mother that follows you at every game. I got kids that I've been having since October. If their mother stood next to me at HEB, I wouldn't know them because they don't support their kids. But I don't support your kids. Anyway, so I'm giving them all these, hey, man, you had a great practice. You're in the seventh grade, playing in the eighth grade. We're going to finals. Free uniform. What did you? And it was all about, after we got through, he, I, I, I bought him off the legs, basically. He calmed down. He stopped crying. And I said, get yourself together, man, because if you other, I buy now. Your dad and other players and other parents is wondering why we standing in the center court with this serious look on your face. You know what I'm saying? So let's wipe the tears, take 10 deep breaths, and let's go back over into the crowd. But I immediately tap the dad on the back and say, oh, I need to talk to you about something, which I don't keep nothing. This is your baby. I owe you this. I pulled him to the side. When I shared him, he looked back at me and said, yeah, coach, that's, how, that's the only knock on our son. We're actually getting him professional help. Because he's, he thinks less of himself. Sometimes he'll go with some guys and they'll do something and he'll take all the blame for it. Because he's mm. that guy. I mm. say, well, we got work to do, Dad. Because this baby going to college in four years. I don't know about what your thoughts is, but my thoughts is we don't work. We don't want another Ben Simmons in the seventh grade. Mm. If, if somebody were to work with Ben on his middle in the seventh grade, he may be better now. I'm just saying, I don't know because I don't know him personally. So my thing is, man, it's bigger than basketball. We it is it. bigger than basketball. And to the, to to your very point that it is bigger than basketball, you just sharing that story just tells uh, uh, of all of the great things that y'all are doing over at Baller trying, Academy man. and how these kids, how they listen to you. I mean, you. so not only is it about basketball uh, to those that are listening, I mean, preventing youth suicides, uh, dealing with youth depression and anxiety. I mean, right. These kids, they they need somebody, and my man Hardy and the people over at Baller Academy, they they are doing it. Listen, we got uh we got a minute left. What is it that you need from the community to continue to help the Baller Academy thrive? Great question, man. That's a great question to end on because ninety eight percent of what I tell you about came out of my companies. I have several companies. And we donate to the Ball Academy. I need the community. To, this is the third or fourth largest city in America. I shouldn't be struggling to get uniforms. I shouldn't be struggling to rent bands or take. I got the kids. I got the tournament. I know all the people. But I, I, Reginald Hardy, shouldn't be the sole financial provider behind this mission. It's bigger than me, man. So what I need is I need our local people to stand up, business owners. Uh, 
I had a parent, I got to stop right in the middle. I had a parent donated $10. But what makes that so great is she couldn't afford to donate it because I know her situation. Mm-hmm. So if this parent can afford 10 I know my boy out here that's buying these $800 tennis, man, could come on. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Yeah. It's a $700 tennis, send us that 100 and I'm buy a uniform package. And here's our uniform package, home and away uniforms, two sets of matching socks, and a nice backpack with our logo on it to carry it all in. So when we march into these tournaments, we look like we come in and take care of business. Right, we look like a real we team. We ain't coming in no T-shirts with right. no magic marker rolling with his numbers. <laughs> right. So we need support. If I could end it on anything, please go to the Baller Academy on every page.org. It's not a dot com. We're a nonprofit. The Baller Academy.org. Every page at the bottom of the page has a little button that says donate. You can donate a dollar, a thousand dollars. You can donate a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> PayPal, however you want to donate it. We, we make it easy. Our registration online, our tournament, you can go now. Everything's online. Online. Everything online. Everything's the online. That's the Reginald Hardy Sr., the founder and director of the Baller Academy. Man, it's it's always great, man. I can't wait to see you, man. We got we can link up, run into each other. Well, so. you know you one of our mentors, bro. I got you listed down as one of our mentors, and you've got royalty to come in the gym anywhere we at. You're gonna be if you show up at a tournament, you in on me. Let's if go. You show up practice, I'm gonna stop practice. Let's See, my, go. My, my special people I take care of, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Yeah, we're we going to talk. I appreciate you, Hardy. Yes, sir. Love you, man. Love you. Take care of your family. Man, love you more. And to everyone right. listening to the podcast, we'll be back after this. From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. And how does a 35-year-old young man with no family history or symptoms get a prostate cancer diagnosis? Well, I have on the phone line the author of the book, Unexpected Diagnosis, Prostate Cancer and the Wake-Up Call to Live Healthier and Happier. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, Gabe Canales. How you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate the opportunity to discuss this very important issue with your audience. It is very important. And as soon as I read that first uh, paragraph in the press release that was sent uh, for your new book, which just dropped on uh, last, um, what was that? What is today? Today, okay, so it, it just dropped on Tuesday. Just dropped yes, Tuesday. I'm, I was looking at the wrong, about to say the wrong date, looking at the wrong calendar. Um, and what I find very interesting is the fact that you had no family history or symptoms, but yet you ended up with this. And before I kept reading, Gabe, I was like, it has to be the food that uh, he was consuming or that we're consuming that causes that. And then I go down and then, boom, here we are talking about diet. So... Uh, if you don't mind, can you please just share your story real quick? How, how, how does a 35-year-old young man with no family history get prostate cancer? Yeah, so here's what happened. I, was not tip, I, I did not typically get an annual checkup. And I'm mm. going to start off by saying an annual checkup saved my life. It turned my life around. Most men don't go to the doctor. Most men don't get annual checkups. 
And a lot of men, especially during COVID, millions of men missed their cancer screenings and their annual checkups. So I want to use my story to really encourage men um, to think about getting their checkup and discussing cancer screenings with their doctors. So um, the year of my diagnosis, I, on a whim, just decided to get a checkup. And I had, I had high blood pressure. Uh, my cholesterol was high. And, you know, you live life. And, you know, at one time I was fit, but, you, let, you know, life happens and you let yourself go, or at least I did. And I was overweight at the time. I was 40 pounds heavier than I am today. And so my doctor said that, you know, I had some levels that were high, uh, certain places, but my testosterone was low. He said, it's probably not that big a deal, but I went to a urologist to get it checked out. And the urologist also confirmed that I had slightly low testosterone and he gave me a gel to rub on my shoulder. But they also ran what's called a prostate-specific antigen. Now, most 35-year-old men don't know what that is. A lot of men don't know what that is, uh, unless you're older. But I was told that that number was a little bit too high and I needed to retest. And I remember talking to my dad about it. My dad said, oh, they're just trying to build the insurance company. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, he wasn't I lying there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I hesitated going back. And it was only because the physician's assistant kind of kept prodding me and encouraging me to come back and, and, and retest. So I did. And the number went up more. And he encouraged me to have a biopsy. And he says, you know, that, that, that that's, it's important for us to know what's going on. So only because he said that it would just be a pinch and it would be during my lunch that I could get this done, this procedure, did I, did I get that done? Um, it wasn't a pinch. It was, it was a very painful process. I, I didn't have a good experience with that. Uh, that's not to discourage your audience, but that's what happened. And I received a phone call uh, a few days later, uh, hearing those three words, you have cancer. And of course, the first thing you think of is, am I going to die? And um, it, um, it wasn't until I saw a doctor later whose first question to me was, what is your diet? And I remember thinking, or I said, what do you mean, what is my diet? I'm, I'm from Texas. I'm a meat and potatoes guy. And I was visiting a doctor in New York City. I had already seen some other doctors here in Houston that gave me completely different approaches to my prostate cancer. But my doctor made a very, I remember being really, shocked and surprised with his statement because none of the other doctors had said this. He said, though prostate cancer doesn't run in your family, poor lifestyle habits do. And most of the men in your family have died prematurely from heart disease, stroke, and diabetes, and it's all connected. And he hit on something. He hit on something that when I came back to Houston, I met with the then president of MD Anderson Cancer Center, Dr. John Mendelson, and he actually agreed with him. And so that was that was a big turning point in my life to know that lifestyle habits can have a huge influence on, on the initiation of cancer as well as other chronic health conditions. So that was a big turning point for me in my life. But I, I want to back up and also say though, that had I kept living the way that I was living at the time, I would have gone the same path as other men in my family with early heart disease or possibly stroke, uh, diabetes. You know, these are all conditions that a lot of men and my family have, have uh, struggled with or have died from. And I, I just think that 
this this is something that men are struggling with, like period, not only in your family, but looking at these statistics just all around. Seventy two percent are obese or overweight and half over 20 have some form of cardiovascular disease. First of all, anyone that is between the ages of 20 and 35 and you are having some sort of cardiovascular disease that wasn't, you know, something like when you were a child, like myself, I had open heart surgery because I had congenital heart disease. Like that within itself is wild to be between 20 and 35 to have some sort of heart uh, problems. And then for the 72% of American men to be obese or overweight, I didn't know that the number was that high. I know what I see when I'm, you know, outside in these streets, but to see this number 72%, that's, that's wild. Um, Yeah. And and, and for Hispanic men, it's 80%. 80%. 80%. Yeah. But, but here's, here's kind of how I'm framing my story. And this is what I want men to really think about because when, uh, you know, I've spent the last decade talking to a lot of younger men and, and uh, at schools, at colleges, at, at, uh, at companies, average age for prostate cancer is 66. Though African-American men should have that conversation with a physician at age 45 to get tested. But wait, so that number with- has went down. I thought like it was like, OK, when you're 50, you know, go get your first prostate screening. Now it's down to 45. Yeah, so specifically for African-American men or men in general who have a first relative with, prost- with a history of prostate cancer, the American Cancer Society encourages to have that conversation with a physician about screenings starting at age 45 for African-American men. So I think it's, it's definitely something important for, most, for, for men in general to have that conversation, especially if you have a family history. Um, but, but, you know, here's the other thing, too, is that the screening guidelines will say if you're at higher risk, what also puts you at higher risk when you look at most men in America that are overweight and obese, that's a, that's a, that's, you're at a higher risk. But what I'm trying to do with my book and my story is to reframe the health conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. We have to start with the heart. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here's what I mean by that. 32,000 men died in 2020 from prostate cancer, 32,000 men, 350,000, over over 350,000 men died from heart disease. But here's the low hanging fruit with that. According to the CDC, 80% of those deaths are preventable. How? Diet and lifestyle. Hmm. According to the Cleveland Clinic, 90% of those deaths are preventable through diet and lifestyle. What kind of diet and lifestyle is that? It is consuming a lot more plants, more high fiber, phytonutrient rich vegetables and fruits. Talk about it. Wake it up. Seeds, legumes. It's also not smoking. It's moving more every day. It's spending more time uh, getting plenty of sleep and, and managing stress. And these are issues that we have to remove the stigma for men especially Hispanic and African-American men, and realize there's no shame in talking about stressful issues in our life and confronting those challenges. But, but, simple life, but lifestyle habits, simple steps, simple steps and making incremental change can lead to much improved physical and mental health. 
So I truly believe that if younger men, especially when you mentioned that statistic that half of all men over the age of 20 have hypertension, which is a huge risk factor for a heart attack, mm -hmm. okay? If younger men start making healthier changes and get that annual checkup and know their numbers, we can see a significant reduction in premature death across the board. Mm. So when you talk to younger men about prostate cancer, that doesn't, that doesn't get through. But you start talking to younger men about their heart and letting them know that if you focus on your heart, if you want to be a better athlete, if you want to be a better student, if you want to be uh, just overall have more energy, focus on the heart. Because by focusing on great heart health, you will significantly reduce your risk of other leading causes of death for men. You know what will get men on the right track uh, to what you are speaking of? <laughs> to, to your very point, to what you just said. The other thing would be let them know that if you keep on going this way, like, you know, your sex game is going to be whack. You're not going to be able to uh, move out here how you want to move, and you're not going to be able to satisfy your woman. I bet if you throw in the sexual aspect of their performance with how they're living, I bet they'll straighten up and fly, right? You're absolutely right. We see that there's a lot of – there's a correlation. Look, you see younger and younger men today that are getting prescriptions for erectile dysfunction medication. Why? That's not normal. That's that is not, not normal. normal. And also – and also erectile dysfunction is a, um, that is a uh, predictor of heart disease. Mm. Wake you it know, up, Dave. Of, Wake yeah, it up so, on this Sunday morning. Yeah. And, and look, these are issues we have to talk about. We, we, we shouldn't, you know, not, not discuss these things openly. There's no shame in talking about these issues. And